Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Good morning. I bring you greetings from Reverend Brother Todd there in Zimbabwe. That was him. Um, Early this morning, preaching the gospel um, there in Zimbabwe and um, in Chigutu. And he's been preaching and teaching this past week. And they've been in revival. And I think he's tired. Um, I'm sure Miss Karen probably knows better than I do. But uh, this morning, he was traveling a journey back um, to meet up with the rest of the team. And I know on the way there, his vehicle broke down a couple of times. And um, last year, uh, my my journey back, our, our Vehicle broke down and we were in the mountains in the pitch darkness for several hours. It was pretty intense. Um, and so we need to be lifting him up in prayer. Again, remember they're about seven hours before us. So, um, as he travels on there, um, darkness will be coming and it's an imperative to get to where you're going before the darkness falls. And, um, it might be a reminder to many of us that we need to come into the light before the darkness truly wraps its arms around us. This morning, I want to speak to you about what a prostitute and Noah's flood can teach us about the end of the world. What a prostitute and Noah's flood can teach us about the end of the world. This past week, uh, we had come over with the boys and and we were there and uh, we had picked up something here and we'd come back to the house. And we've got a rule that when we pull into the, the carport that daddy opens my car doors because if you don't then you open the door against the van and judah was there and river was in one side and so river's going to get out and judah when he goes to open the door opened it a little bit too hard and a little bit too fast he's already smiling a little bit right now and what i heard was a big bang um as the door collided with our van and my blood pressure began to rise and I'm coming around the vehicle by that point because I just told him, hey, man, hold on for a second and and I'll open the door for you. And obviously he didn't wait. And so as I come around there and find the door and open it and see the marks now on the van, um, it was like one of those cartoons where you feel like your head's going to explode. It was, it was borderline. I was like, Judah, man, dude, how many times have I told you? And in the midst of that, here's what Judah keeps saying. I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Dad. And the look on my face and my words back to him were not obviously, um, I was receiving that, that offer of, hey, uh, will you forgive me? And so River looks at me and says, well, dad, the Bible says be slow to anger, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good one for teaching discipleship in your home, right? And so I respond back to him and Judah with a gruff, I know that son, I'm trying. Um, and the look on their face was this. It doesn't look very much like you're trying. And so this morning I share that to remind us all that maybe you're struggling with trying too. I don't know if it's outburst of anger for you or moments when you just get so frustrated with what's going on. Maybe it's... As you're going to see today that finances are what drives you. It keeps you up at night and you're thinking about what you didn't get done to yesterday or today. You're worried already about what you got to do tomorrow and it just seems to consume you. Maybe there's just moments or areas of your life where you realize, man, I don't look very much like Christ in those moments. 
It's the text here is going to continually drive us and warn us of the danger of not looking to God, of this call out as this prostitute, as Tyre, this great city is identified as one that's just given herself to everyone and everything so that by all means she might profit, that she might be built up. And the text just kind of whispers to us, do you think God could change you? I mean, do you think that God can really change you? Transform who you are on the inside. That the things that you struggle with, that you might no longer be that person. You might no longer be that kind of spouse. You might no longer be that kind of coworker, that kind of student in the classroom for your teacher. That you really believe that God can transform you. Well, Tyree the prostitute has a word of comfort and hope for you and I. Let's get to the text. Beginning in verse 1, is, is it now working again? Awesome, thank you, Miss Karen. Praise the Lord. It says the oracle, beginning in verse 1 of Isaiah 23, concerning Tyre. And look what it says here. Several things are called out. Well, O ships of Tarshish, these are the greatest ships of the sea. In that day and time, they carried the greatest amount of cargo. And so they were coming in from this shipping port that had all kinds of uh, of commerce and built up economically. And look what happens here. For Tyre is laid waste without house or harbor. From the land of Cyprus, it is revealed to them. Look, secondly, not only are they called to whale, they are called to be in steel. O inhabitants of the coast, the merchants of Sidon, those who had done business with them. Further, look what it says. On many waters, verse 3, your revenue was the grain of Shihor, the harvest of the Nile. You were the merchant of the nations. This is what's significant. Look, Tyre is the merchant of the nations. This is where everyone comes to do business. This is what's so significant about the judgment that's happening here. And then it says not only to wail, to be steel, but verse 4 says... Be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea has spoken. The stronghold of the sea, saying, I have neither labored nor given birth. I have neither reared young men nor brought up young women. They're literally crying out. Why? Because all of this great opportunity to get rich is gone down in the depths of the sea. Even Egypt, this great power. Listen to what happens in verse 5. When the report comes to Egypt, they will be in anguish over the report about Tyre. I don't know about you, but um, how many here are maybe Black Friday shoppers? Are you Black Friday folks? Any of you out there? Two of us, maybe. Me and you, Randy Milby. Awesome. Uh, Robbie Milby. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> Me and you, buddy. So listen, I don't know who else is out here, but listen, maybe what, what would happen today if you found out that Black Friday was closed? Or what if in the midst of your shopping this year, you found out that Amazon was no longer delivering packages and everything that you had paid for wasn't going to come? What if the stock market crashed again and all of your retirement and all of your hopes of savings were gone? What might be the response in that moment, right? Well, we might be wondering, who did this, right? Who's brought this about? Why would this even happen? Look what the text says here. Verse 8, they ask that question. Who has purposed this against Tyree? Like, who would do something like this? This is where the world receives its economic wealth. Who would do something like this? The bestower of crowns, whose merchants were princes, whose traders were the honor of the earth. Look what it says here. The Lord of hosts has purposed it. So the question was, who has purposed this? And the answer is, God's done it. And we might ask why. Two times you're going to hear the word to. To tell you why this has happened. Look first here. To defile, to, to defile the pompous pride 
of all glory. God is opposed to the pride of mankind when we think that we can do it on our own. That when we believe that we are somehow self-sufficient in and of ourselves, for look what it says, to dishonor all the honored of the earth, God will have no rivals to His glory. And so the Lord of hosts, His purpose is He has done it. And you might be asking, well, what's the result of God's judgment? Look at verse 12. Several different things, four things I think stand out here. The result of God's judgment upon Tyre, this merchant of the nations. Again, symbolically representing all the world's commerce. Look what he says. And he said, you will no more exalt. Literally, there's a loss of joy. Further, look what else we see here. Not only is there a loss of joy, but there's also an oppression. There's a loss of peace. Further, arise, cross over to Cyprus. Literally, there is the loss of now residence. So a loss of joy, a loss of peace, a loss of residence. And in that day, look what it says. You will have no what? Rest. A loss of rest. God's judgment has come fully upon the nations. And specifically, Tyre here. The text says, well, look what it says here further to us in verse 13. Behold, the land of the Chaldeans, that's the land of Babylon. Look, It says, this is the people that was not. And look what it says here. This is interesting. Assyria destined it for wild beasts. And they erected their siege towers. They stripped her palaces bare. They made her a ruin. It says in further verse 15, in that day, Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, like the days of one king. The question is, well, when does this happen? And that's some of the confusion. In 738 B.C., Tiglath-Pileser, right, comes up in the Assyrians, and they come to come against Tyre, but they can't take it down. But in 701 B.C., Sennacherib, right, the grandson of Tiglath-Pileser of the Assyrians, shows up and begins to bring about a great judgment. But still the city stands. Sometime later, 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come against it, laying about a 13-year siege, but can never, ever take Tyre. In 333 B.C., the Persians show up, but again, the rock holds fast, this great city on a rock. It is not until the great conqueror, Alexander the Great, in 332 B.C., and the Greeks show up, that Tyre is once and for all torn down. The question or challenge with some of Isaiah's prophecies is, is what is he speaking about? Is he speaking about a series? Is he speaking about the Babylonians? Or is this ultimately look forward to when the rock is finally once and for all ripped down in 332 B.C.? And let's be honest, none of us are exactly sure. What's interesting, again, back in the text, he says, look up there if you would, that for 70 years, right, this judgment is going to be laid upon Tyre. And what's interesting is, is here in 701 B.C. with Sennacherib, when the Assyrians come for about 30 years until about 630, 630-ish or so, B.C., Tyre is struggling. So the question might be that maybe Isaiah is speaking there into his day and time about what the Assyrians are going to do. But even so, as we look further into the future, we realize something greater is coming with Alexander the Great. And then we might even say that something even greater is coming because Tyre sure seems to represent the world economic system headed toward the end of time. So as you look to the prophets, you might see some immediate filament, but you might also see something that's coming in the distance. So it is, I believe, here as he's speaking about this judgment that's going to land. And watch what happens here. Pick up if you would, verse 17. At the end of 70 years, the Lord will visit Tyre. And she, look what happens here. This is interesting. She will return to her wages and will prostitute herself with 
all the kingdoms of the world. My boys uh, and I, we enjoy to play tag, hide and seek, different things. But they've come up with this new rule, right? I don't know how new it is, but I don't remember it when I grew up. And it's this rule, all right? So you're playing, and let's imagine that base is this podium, this mic right here, right? And so you have to get back base before you tag, right? Most of us normal people, that's how we used to play, right? There's only one base. But kids these days have come up with a new rule. And the rule is this, like, let's imagine that you and I are playing, that's the base, and I'm for sure going to tag you before you get there. But if you will stop just before I'll get there and you say these magical words, ABC, base what? Nobody knows that word? What is it, Judah? ABC, base on me. You know what that means? That in that moment, yeah, Alex is raising his hand in the back. Thank you. These kids know. It's okay, Mom. He's going to tell me. It's all right. I'm glad to have some call and response. It's good. Listen, ABC, base on me. Guess what happens? In that moment, guess what you become? Base. And so that means that guess what? I can't tag you that even though you're not technically on the base, you've now become the base and I can't tag you. And so here's what happens. Daddy can't tag me. And the moment I take two steps away, guess what happens with them? Boom, back off again. So it is with Tyree. Judgment has come to Tyree. And in that moment, there's a ABC base on me. Right, I don't know if you've been there, but like, God, I'm sorry. Like, man, I wish I would have not got in this situation. But God, if you'll just get me out of this situation. God, I mean, Lord, I know, I mean, things were bad in me when that relationship was struggling or financially. We got serious in the church. I mean, God, we even tried to show up on Wednesday nights. I mean, God, we got serious. But the moment the ship gets cleaned back up and the destination is set again, you jump right back on board the ship and sail out to port. That's what Tyree's done. They said ABC based on me just long enough that they could get out of jail free. And the moment that things get cleaned up, they go right back to their way of life. Has that ever happened with you? Maybe it's happening with you now. Maybe you've been guilty of just saying ABC based on me. And the reminder is this, that hard times and difficult seasons alone will not change anyone's heart. Hard times and difficult seasons all alone, all by themselves, will not change anyone's heart. They may guilt us or make us feel sorry for a season to stop doing this or that. But there's only one that can transform the heart. And Tyree is a reminder of that. And you're going to hear it in just a moment as we come to verse 18 of this moment of grace where God steps in and transforms this wicked merchant city who represents the entirety of the world and its commerce. Look what it says here. Verse 18, it's striking. Her merchandise and her wages will be what? Holy to the Lord. This great prostitute, this one that would do anything to earn money, to get rich, has now their wages and their merchandise has become holy to the Lord. What's striking about this is, is Exodus 28 and 36. This was what the high priest wore on their forehead. They went to the temple with this statement, holy to the Lord across their forehead. And now this dirty tyree is going to be declared holy. It's a reminder that none of us here today are too dirty. None of us here today are too far gone. None of us here have made too many mistakes for God to transform and to forgive you. It's God's grace. No one's beyond it. 
It's a transformation. Look what happens further with them. Not only is there a transformation of who they are on the inside, watch what begins to happen as this work of mercy and grace takes place in the heart of even the prostitute. It will not be stored or hoarded. So not only they declare it holy to the Lord, now we realize that they're no longer storing or hoarding things. The one who, again, couldn't get enough of money or things, now, listen, they are prepared to give. I'm assuming there's probably folks in this congregation that struggle with hoarding. Just guessing. I'll be honest with you. I have some tendencies that way. Right? I mean, I I love to be economical. I try to think, hey, how can we save this? How can we reuse this? But like for some of you, you've got like enough aluminum foil stacked up in the cabinet because you use it like to cover this and that. Some of you got like 15 pencil sharpeners because just in the case that like one of them doesn't work, I mean, you need some lead in your pencil. I got some great advice uh, Emily and I did when we were just discussing this with someone. And the statement was simply this. If something comes into your house, something else needs to go out. So some of you, maybe that's a struggle for you. Like every time you need a new shirt or you need a new pair of pants or, man, you've got to get this new game or you've got to have whatever. Maybe that just simple practice of just saying, listen, I don't have to have everything or to keep 500 of those that look just alike. I know some of you are like, they don't, they're not alike. You don't get it, right? I understand, right? Even now, the hoarding's like, ah, don't let go, right? But look what happens. There's a transformation here of this, this the life of Tyre. Not only the holy of the Lord, look what it says. Not only are they not storing or hoarding things anymore, just themselves. But her merchandise will supply abundant food and fine clothing for those who dwell before the Lord. God's done such a work that they now desire to give it away. They now desire to give it away. And so the prostitute Tyree is there reminding us about God's judgment and the end of the world and reminding us that none of us are too dirty. None of us have made too many mistakes. None of us have too big of a blemish on our resumes. That God can't forgive us. That God can't transform us. That God can't use you. But not only does Tyree, the prostitute, have something to say. Noah's flood has something to say about the end of the world. It's interesting that and as we move into Isaiah 24, that there's some judgment on the whole earth. And we kind of see this big picture of judgment that takes place. But it's interesting to see some of the connections back to Noah's flood. I want to draw your attention to a couple of those to give you a lens to look through of this text. In Isaiah 24 and 5, we're going to hear this. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, And they've done this. They've broken the everlasting covenant. So it is in Genesis chapter 9, verse 16, following the flood and God's promise to Abraham or to Noah, right? He says, listen, I'll no longer flood the earth again. And here's my promise or my everlasting covenant between me and you. What did God put in the sign as a reminder? The rainbow, right? It was a sign of God's everlasting covenant. But here we hear in Isaiah 24 and 5, there is a breaking of God's everlasting covenant. Further. In Isaiah 24 and 18, we hear this. For the windows of heaven are opened and the foundation of the earth trembles. Look back in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of heaven were opened. 
The same thing that we're hearing here. And so Isaiah is trying to help us clue into the fact that this is a cataclysmic worldwide judgment. So it's important to have that lens as you come to look at this judgment that's taking place in Isaiah 24. To say, just as the flood covered the earth, so this judgment of God is going to cover the earth. Look what happens here. Remember back in Noah's flood? How many people were saved in all? Do you remember? Eight, right? Eight people saved in all in Noah's flood. Get, listen to how few will be saved as the judgment of God comes at the end. Verse 1 we hear, Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate, and He will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. And listen to this list. If you think, well, it won't happen to me. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest. As with the slave, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the creditor, so with the debtor. The earth mourns and withers. The world languishes and withers. The highest people of the earth languish. No one is going to escape. In verse 18 it says, He who flees at the sound of the terror shall fall into the pit. And the one that climbs out of the pit shall be caught in the snare. Verse 20, the earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgression lies heavy upon it and it falls and will not rise again. This is, as the song goes, the end of the world as, as we know it. This is the end of the world as we know it. And maybe we're wondering why. Why is God bringing this upon? Well, look back with me with verse 5 of Isaiah 24. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants. Four, right? Here's the reason why. Here's what's happened. Four, okay? And then verse 6 starts with a therefore. So this is God's response, right? So you're looking at these key words. It's helping you interpret what's happening. Here's why, here's why the judgment has come, right? Four. This is the reason why the, ju- the judgment of earth has come. Therefore, it's God's response. So look what happens here. Four, he says, they have transgressed the laws, right? See that there. They've transgressed the laws. Literally, they refuse to live by God's word. We don't, we don't want God's word. We're not going to live by it. Further, look what it says. They violated the statutes. Literally, they've replaced the laws. They said, listen, we can define what morality is. We can define that all truths are equal. So if I believe this to be true, or this is how I was made, or this is how I most feel, who I want to be, then no one and not even God's Word can speak into that truth. Sound familiar? Thirdly, and what we saw just a moment ago is they've broken the everlasting covenant. Now, it has connections to Noah, but not only Noah had an everlasting covenant, there were many throughout the Bible. I want to draw just your attention to a few of them. In Psalm 105, verse 10, as it speaks about this promise made to Abraham, we hear these words, which he confirmed to Jacob, right? So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you're hearing that. As a statute to Israel, as an everlasting covenant. In Leviticus 24, we hear about the Mosaic covenant. It says, every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. In 2 Samuel 23 and 5, we hear about God's covenant with David. Listen to what he says. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. The truth is that no one wants a part of what God's ways are, his truth. And so the question is, well, what happens, right? And that's where he says there in verse 6, there's a therefore. Here's God's response. 
If you don't want my truth, if you don't want to live by my ways, if you want to rewrite what you believe truth to be, I know you think that it's going to bring joy. I know you think it's going to bring happiness, but here's the reality of what's going to happen. Look what he says here. Beginning in verse 7, the wine mourns, the vine languishes, all the merry-hearted sigh. The sources of joy are gone. Further with me, verse 8. The mirth of the tambourines is still. The noise of the jubilant has ceased. Further, no more do they drink wine with singing. So the jubilation, the singing, it's all gone. The experience of joy has now vanished. Further, look what it says there in verse 11. All joy has grown dark. The gladness of the earth is banished. Joy has been evicted from the earth. We thank that if we could just create the God that we want, then we will be happy. And the truth is it will never happen. Separate from God, you will never ever find the peace and contentment and hope that you are striving after. No matter how hard or tenaciously you may seek it. The people of the earth have been trying it and trying it and trying it. And Isaiah is saying, guys, it will never work. It will never work. But listen, there's good news for the people of God. Listen to this in verse 21 of Isaiah 24. On that day, the Lord will punish the host of heaven. So listen, there's several things going to happen here. There's going to be punishment of the host of heaven. And notice he says they're in heaven. And the kings of earth. On the earth, they will be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up in prison and after many days they will be punished. Ponder this for a moment. Every bit of temptation you've ever received. Every moment that Satan or the demons have ever told you how big of a loser or failure you are or reminded you of all your failures or continually made you feel like God doesn't love you or He would never accept someone like you or you're too dirty or you promised you wouldn't do that again, you've done it again, you can't go back to God. All of this, listen, look what happens here. On that day, the Lord will punish the host of heaven. God is going to bring to judgment Satan and all of these fallen angels, these demons. He's going to bring them to judgment. Do you hear that? Every bit of oppression that's come your way, every bit of temptation that's wrecked your family or or driven your kids away from Christ and the cross, God is going to bring to judgment Satan's works. The church ought to rest and say hallelujah in that. That your enemy is going to be judged But not only that, look what it says, and the kings of the earth also are going to be judged. Every wicked tyrant, every oppressor, every abuser that does not cry out for repentance and faith in Christ will suffer everlasting punishment in the pit. It's victory. And yet there's a difficult moment to it. Look at me, you would again, back here in verse 22. And after many days. This is the hard part. It doesn't happen immediately. The bully doesn't always walk away from you or your kids at school. Or on your job site. The murderer doesn't always get caught. The abductor doesn't always get found out. The abuser sometimes slips through the cracks. And at times we're wondering, God, where are you? 
And Isaiah just says, guys, I know it's hard. But the judgment's going to come. Judgment's going to come. After many days, there will be punishment for those who refuse to repent and look to Christ. And here's the hard part. That includes us. You may not be as bad as the person you're thinking about right now or you have in your mind or this great tyrant, or this great world ruler. But the reality is we are all in opposition to Christ and the cross. We're all in opposition to the holiness of God. We all think that maybe we could be good enough on our own, that we could satisfy it to make it there. But the text reminds us, listen, that won't happen There's only one opportunity, but the people of God must rest in the fact that our God will bring to judgment all things. Secondly, the glory of God will shine upon the people. Verse 23, then the moon will be confounded, the sun ashamed. Why? For for the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before his elders. The moon confounded, the sun ashamed, as great as it is. Guys, I, I, listen, I don't know if any of you ever had, like, remember those days, like, when you're out with your friends and you're like, I bet you can't look at the sun, right? Who in here has ever tried that? Anybody? Yeah, a few of us, right? Some of us probably not have, brave enough to admit it. Listen, you can't do it. And the text says, listen, you know how great the sun is when you see it shine? You can't look at it. God is so much greater. The glory of God, His great reigning power is so much greater. Listen, you cannot escape this God. He says, this God is almighty. He is all powerful. And look what it says. His glory will be before His elders. God is there gathering His people. The elders in Revelation 4 and 4, it says there's 24 elders. I believe it speaks of the 12 there to the Old Testament, representing the tribes and the 12 apostles and the new. and saying all the people of God are around the throne of God, worshiping day and night forever and ever, Revelation 4 and 4. And in Revelation chapter 22, 3 and 4, we hear that we're going to see God face to face. Do you realize that Christ has made you holy as God is holy? That you now, because of Christ, can stand in the presence of a perfect God who sees you perfectly. And yet the blood of God's Son covers you perfectly. That you stand holy as God is holy. That's the righteousness of Christ. It's credited to us by faith in Jesus alone. Three applications as we close. First and foremost, or maybe not foremost, but... Tyree reminds us that giving reveals our hearts. Our giving reveals our hearts. Did you notice the progression of Tyree? First they were called holy to the Lord. Then they no longer stored or hoarded, but they began to freely give. In Luke chapter 18, there's this rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and says, hey, JC, tell me, what do I have to do to be saved? And, And you know the dialogue. He says, listen, you need to obey these commandments. He said, well, all I've done, I've done all those since I was little and He says, well, one thing you lack, go sell everything you own and give to the poor and come back and follow me. And the text records that the man went away because he was very what? He was very rich. In verse 26 of Luke 18, Peter asked Jesus, he says, who then can be saved? And Jesus says in verse 27, well, what's impossible with man is what? It's possible with God. And Luke is preparing us. Why? Because in Luke 19, we see one of the richest man 
or richest men of that day and time, a chief tax collector. Now, he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, and he, and he climbed up in a tree, right? For the Lord was, he wanted to what? And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, what? Ah, oh, you know him. You know Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus comes down and the crowd whispers, why is he going to be the guest of a sinner? And in verse 8 of Luke 19, Zacchaeus says these words, Lord, here and now, I give half of what I own to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I give back four times what I, what I owe. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, today salvation has come to this house, for this man too is a son of Abraham. Wow, what happened? The transformation of Zacchaeus' heart by the grace that Jesus would love a sinner like him said, you know what, these finances are no longer mine. Jesus, you can have all of me. I'm in the plate, bro. I'm not just throwing a few bucks in the plate. I'm saying I'm getting in the plate. That's what's happening with Tyree. The transformation of their heart, right, brought about now freely giving Freely giving to God. Some of you, maybe your business for long enough has been devoted and set apart to things other than God. And you've been willing to compromise on business deals, ethnically, morally. Would God's grace today not just call you back? That you are loved as you are. You are loved despite all of those things. And would God's grace and mercy and forgiveness for you just bring you back to say god here's my business here's my finances secondly we're reminded that rewriting or reinterpreting god's laws doesn't lead to joy but actually a loss of it the people of the world thought they could do whatever they wanted rewrite god's walls close up shop on his word but actually what they found was not peace or joy but in fact it was a loss of joy a loss of happiness a loss of everything Yet with Jesus, it's the exact opposite. When we come to Christ, we find freedom. We find peace. That I no longer have to be ruled by the things of this world. I no longer have to let my sinful desires just let them go. Why? Because Christ has died to set me free. He has brought me something greater than no matter what in that moment. It is temporary. I have finally found an eternal joy. Someone that knows me completely and yet loves me perfectly. It has brought freedom to my life. Hope and joy that's greater than that next high or that next encounter or that roll of the dice because we always have to go faster, farther. And finally now in Christ, I found a place where I can rest. Thirdly and last, we must live in light of that day. There in verse 21, we just simply hear on that day, the Lord will. We no longer have to fear death because Christ has overcome it. You no longer have to fear judgment because Christ has paid the penalty for your sins upon the cross. Hope that all the enemies of God will once and for all be judged and cast out. Peace that the day that the return of the king will involve the gathering before of all the elders of God's people. All of God's people will be brought in. It must transform us. And if I was really honest today, this text has been difficult. Em and I are trying to figure out what's our next move in regards to a home. And I'll be honest with you. Man, I'm lured by the things of this world big time. Just being straight. Money, finances. 
I struggle. So when I hear about Tyree and I see the danger in that, I realize I need to take refuge. We talked about it last week, right? The simple keep going and suffer for it, but, or the, yeah, the prudency danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and what? They suffer for it. I don't know what you're ruled by. I don't know if you have struggles like I have struggles and maybe you're here today just saying, listen, I, Blake, I'm with you. I got some things I am, I'm struggling with. Would you hear today just the call to come home? To realize that God loves you in the midst of where you are. That He loves you right now, right here where you are. Christ died for you right in the midst of where you are today. And He's calling you out. The forgiveness and grace and mercy of God calling you and I out of that way of life and back to Him. Today, would you repent of your sins? Acknowledge your way of life is not honoring God. Would you put your faith in Him? I mean, as a community, are we not aware that this life is temporary? Beloved, you will not last forever. We will not last forever. If God is calling you today, you sense that conviction. He is calling you to repent and believe. I compel you to respond now. For the things of your life that do not please Him and your desires for the things of the world, like my desires for the things of the world, there is a call to come and die, to bow your knee here and now and cry out, God, change me. In a moment, any of us could step into eternity. I want to ask you straight right now. Are you ready? Are you ready? To stand before a holy and perfect God and step into eternity forever. Are you ready? You have nothing more important on your agenda today than to figure out the answer to that question. Do not rush past it. I encourage you as our musicians make their way, it's time for you to ponder what is your response to Jesus Christ. Why will God accept you? We will all die unless Christ returns. I'm, I want to be as straight as I can with you guys. Are you ready? Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Would you respond to Jesus Christ, the one who loves you in the midst of your sin, and cry out for mercy and grace? Because when that moment of judgment comes, it is too late. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak? And would you move our hearts? I pray it in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. 
In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.